Hi folks, this week on Gary Talks, I'm joined by the very wise and inspirational Irish entrepreneur, Rory Prendergast. Rory is going to talk about his latest book, The Game Changer Formula, and how you can create predictable success for you, your family, and your business. So forget about the idea that you can create success in your life simply by setting a goal and using your willpower. It doesn't work. We've tried it before it does not work. There's another way that does work. So whether your goal is about looking after yourself, improving relationships, building up a successful business, the Game Changer formula is designed to help you achieve success. In this episode, Rory explains how to integrate the formula into your life using 10 simple daily habits. Enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. So Rory Prendergast, Irish entrepreneur who has built multi-million dollar businesses in hospitality and e-commerce. Thank you for joining us on Gary Talks. Gary, great. I'm delighted and uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm really great to be here. Now, I've wanted to get you on the show for a number of weeks, but I wanted to finish reading your book, The Game Changer Formula, and then I wanted to read it a second time as well because there's so much in it and we'll get into it shortly but can you take us back to when you first got involved in business well i suppose i was brought up in a family business gary really so um i and i i remember noticing when i was in college i i did a business degree in college and i remember noticing that all my friends all their parents were in business and i have the feeling that uh we were together because we kind of lived a slightly different life to people whose family were not in business. And so, um, you know, around our dinner table in the evening, all the talk was about business and what was happening during the day and that kind of thing. So I suppose for me, like that was the, f- the first time I was involved in business from the outside. What was going through your head as a young person then listening to the dinner table conversations about business? Were you getting excited? Were you saying this is something I want to do? Or were you saying I want to kind of forge my own path? I wouldn't say that there was a thought process going through my head, but I'd say what was happening was so, stuff was soaking in. And, mm-hmm. um, and and that would have then kind of made me think, okay, well, it's time to go to college now. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to study business. And I didn't really know why at the time, but that was just what kind of felt natural uh, to me. And, and incidentally, to all my siblings as well, we've all ended up in business in, in one way or another. What do you think then, and I know you haven't had the direct experience because you grew up in a different household, but what do you think the difference is between one who grows up in a family environment where it's very business orientated to someone else who grows up where we'd say both parents are employed by someone else? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as you said, I haven't had that experience, so it might be wrong of me to say, but I just felt like when we were growing up, there was a lot, a lot of the, the daily problems would be brought to the table. And because both of my parents were involved in the business, a lot of what happened during the day would be discussed there, whether that was around sales or employees or problems with, with clients or whatever it might have been. And I think that I just, you know, I start to learn about problem solving and that kind of thing. And I, I can only imagine what happens at another dinner table because I wasn't at many of those that, you know, those conversations are a little bit different. And now there's good and bad in both of those because, you know, in our house, because my parents are so busy, they had very little time for us. Right. And, uh, and so I imagine that uh, in other households, conversations might have revolved more around the kids than around uh, how good or bad sales were in the past month. So you went off to college, you studied business, and then you got involved in a hotel in Connemara? 
Yeah, I did. So my, my, my family business, interestingly, my grandfather was in the hotel business. My father was in the hotel business. I'm in the hotel business. Uh, my siblings are in catering business in one way or another. So it's something that's obviously in the blood. So I had gone away to study business and it was, I suppose, a, a kind of a natural thing for me to come back and, and start to at least um, work in the family business uh, from the outset. And that was fine. But it's difficult when there's multiple family members working in a business, and particularly in a business like that, that's kind of a 24-7 sort of operation. So tell us about selling the hotel and heading off on the Atlantic. Yeah, so before I sold it, I had to buy it. So I, I, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I decided to, to buy, well, it was a joint decision to buy my parents out um in 2000 so i bought the hotel from them it was a six month a year operation and i managed to turn it into a 12 month a year operation which made it then more attractive to a buyer and i i actively went out to, to, to sell the hotel can you tell us even how you know it wasn't a straightforward purchase in the sense of it took a lot of money to actually oh, yeah. buy them out it did it did and obviously i had no money at the time i mean i was only a kid really um all i owned in the world was a, a volkswagen golf and um, basically, I just went into the, the local bank. Uh, I think I'd gone to a couple of banks. And I just said to them, look, I, I need 1.65 million euros. And they said, OK. And uh, have you got a business plan? And I said, no, but I'll get one. Right. So I came back with a business plan. And uh, the conversation went from there. It took a while. But eventually, they agreed to that. And, uh, and off I went. And that was, you know, that meant that my parents then had uh, something to to retire on, and I ended up with this thing that you know I was going to work on for for the next few years. Did you enjoy it, and was it the right decision? Oh, absolutely, it was the right decision for me. Now there'll be loads of days in that time period, Gary, that I would have answered the opposite <laughs> because it wasn't always a, an easy run. You know, as with a lot of plans, my business plan didn't work out the way it was supposed to be. I had made some mistakes on the journey, and various different things. So, you know, some things worked well, some things didn't. And it was a it was a hard few years, but I I have to say like and that is a hard business, but I have to say that every minute I was in the hotel business, you know, overall, like if you take the highs and lows, I did enjoy it. But now looking back on it, I am glad that I stepped outside it and moved away from it at the same time. So you're probably reinventing yourself then when you decided to sell the hotel that was once in the family and pretty much start from scratch again in terms of what you were going to do next. Yeah, so I, I was reinventing myself, but I didn't know what I was inventing. Um, I just, I walked out the door and I remember clearly the next morning after selling the hotel. And so this was, this was my, you know, my family's baby. It had been in my family since the early 80s. We'd all grown up there. And it had been, because it was a hotel, you know, you live on the premises and it was our home. And, and uh, I walked out the door and like, I didn't have anywhere to live anymore. Uh, I, I rented a house for a while. And I remember waking up the next morning uh, and I was in Roundstone in Connemara. And I woke up very early in the morning, which was my usual thing. I walked out onto the street. Everything was closed. There was nobody around. I had no mobile phone. I had no newspaper. I had no internet. I had no nothing. And I remember walking up that street and thinking to myself, oh, my God, what have you done? Like, who are you now and what do you do? Like, you don't do anything anymore. And I actually started to shake. I, I, I It was a... It was a, just a, a big bang for me just to go from being so busy, so crazy all the time to all of a sudden nothing. And how do you recover from that? Well, I, I just needed a project. And um, and that's how I got stuck into sailing across the Atlantic. So, you know, this was something that was in the back of my mind all the time. But I just, 
I was I was safe in the knowledge that I could never do it because I had this hotel and this business that was a 24-7 operation. So it was a safe thing for me to dream about sailing across the Atlantic, knowing that I could never do it. Then all of a sudden, I can do it. And that was the kind of biggest, brightest project that I could kind of come up with. So very quickly, we got stuck into that. And uh, my wife said she'd join me on, on the adventure. And um, we ended up buying a boat, knowing very little about boats and very little about sailing, bringing it over to Roundstone and then just basically doing a few quick courses and heading off to sail around the could sail across the Atlantic. Yeah, it's amazing reading it in your book. You tell it so so vividly and just heading off to the Caribbean and even this idea of when you were getting the boat, you just wanted to make sure that you could hop out either side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> that was my criteria for buying a boat. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were other criteria out there as well, you know, but most of it was around the comfort of how we would live on the boat not necessarily about how seaworthy that boat was. Luckily enough, the boat was extremely seaworthy as well. So do I have this right? You sold the hotel, you made a bit of money on the sale, you wanted to do something, you headed off for the Atlantic over to the Caribbean, knowing nothing really about sailing, certainly not on a journey of that length. And it was during that time really when you got to think. Absolutely. That's it exactly. So you know, I'd had a little bit of sailing experience, like I sailed around Clifton Bay 20 times or something like that. So I kind of knew how a boat worked, but I really didn't know a whole lot. So when we got out to sea, I mean, there was a whole project getting the boat to the point where we were heading out, you know, into the mid-Atlantic. And I was very stressed during that whole thing because this was, as you can imagine, you know, like not knowing what I was getting into and trying to figure things out as I went along. But the day we set off for the longest part of that passage which was a three-week leg from the canary islands over to saint lucia in the caribbean the day we left there i just knew okay there's nothing else i can do as far as preparation is concerned all i can do now is focus on this three weeks and it's probably something that's very hard to do in normal life but we ended up in that situation where for three weeks we had no tv we had no communication we had no phone we had nothing you know we had the books there that we had to read we had pens and paper to write things down and we had four of us you know for a conversation and that was it and you would end up spending a lot of nights on your own just on watch and really having nothing else to do only watch out for shipping that you might only see a ship once a week so your brain starts to work in a different way and really i got to be able to think freely i think for the first time ever in my life and things came to me that I never had thought of before. And even things came to me that I didn't think of then, but subsequently, years later, I realized, okay, actually, you know what, I figured that out uh, in 2008 on the Atlantic. So it was definitely interesting from that point of view. Yeah, this for me is definitely one of the elements that makes the book so interesting because you start talking about what is going on in present life or maybe in recent years, and you compare it, you bring us back to those moments when you are sailing on the Atlantic and you have extracts from the logbook and so on and what was going through your head at the time you can you can then see now looking back how it was all creating a foundation a template a formula for ultimately what was to become the premise of your book the game changer formula which is based on four components can you tell us about the four components so you're absolutely right in the way it happened, right? So I'd learned a lot of this, and but I didn't really piece it all together on, until quite recently. And so it's those learnings from being at the Atlantic and adding to that the experiences I've had since 
And and one important element of that has been just getting involved in, in coaching. I mean, having my own coach that allowed me to kind of put all this together. And so when I looked back on on my life and, and ups and downs, I, I was just trying to figure out, well, you know, I've had great success and I've had great failures. And what is it in those things that, you know, that creates the success and what creates the, the failures? And I went to look at, okay, well, if I want a predictable success, what would need to happen in order for that to work out for me? And so I created this formula, which I call the, the game changer formula, which is uh, mindset plus energy plus accountability to the power of vision equals predictable success. And I believe that if you can get those elements right, then you're on a really good path to predictable success. And that is, you know, in, whether it's in your business, personally for you, your family or whatever else. Now, that formula for people may sound a little bit confusing, but what you do in the book is you break down the four components bit by bit. You give loads of examples where people might just get a blank on one of those elements. Like you give numerous examples of how they can exercise, uh, get clarity on those goals for themselves. And then you work in as well the 10 simple daily habits. As you say, like when you look at that formula, you go, oh, my God, like, what does that mean? Right. And I don't expect anybody to understand and be able to take that formula just the way it's written there and say, "Okay, I'll implement that because that's not really possible. So what I did was I broke that out into, well, here are the things that if you do these every day, you will be impacting your mindset. You will be impacting your energy. You will be impacting on accountability and you will create your vision. And And those daily steps, I do them every single day. I think since I started doing this, I've missed one day because my brother-in-law kept me up till about 4 a.m. drinking beer. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> I've done these every day, right? And when you say every day, I mean, like, you still put aside time at the weekends as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. So so when I, when I say, yeah, I just, every day for me is Monday to Friday, right? They're the days that I need to concentrate. And they're the days that I need to bring my best game in order to achieve predictable success. Not just in my business, but, you know, to, to my family, to myself as well. They're the days I focus on that. I take Saturday and Sunday off. I take holidays off, right? I take time out. So these are the elements that I bring, you know, Monday to Friday. Now, you get into a habit and you end up doing them sometimes at the weekend or on holidays just for enjoyment anyway, or, you know, to get some clarity on something or whatever it might be. But for me, the daily 10, it's rituals or habits that I practice before work every day or during the work day. So you, you start off, you get up bright and early, earlier than me. <laughs> yeah, well, I get up, yeah, lots of people get up earlier than me too. And, uh, you know, I, I think in some ways I, it starts getting up early in the morning, but in another way, it actually starts going to bed early at night. So that's number 10, but actually, <laughs> actually it could be number one, right? So, um, you know, it's really like important for me to, and for, I, I think for all of us, you know, to get enough sleep. If you don't get enough sleep, none of the rest of the stuff is going to matter because it's just not going to work out and you're going to run out of energy. And so for me, um, now, since since COVID has happened, my, my routine has changed slightly in terms of time. It's still the same routine, but because I don't have to do the school runs and stuff like that, things have changed slightly. But my routine would be to get up at uh, 5.45 a.m. And then I have uh, what's what I call my mindset manual, which is one of the things that helps me to kind of focus my mindset in the right in the right place. So it's basically around some affirmations that I that I spend some time reading. Uh, I then spend some time on what I call stillness, which is around meditation. I spend about ten minutes uh, a day on meditation. 
Um, then I do some, what I call in the book, imagination, which is uh, some visualization techniques. So I'm kind of looking at, well, where am I going today and where am I going with my life? And just to get like clarity around that and really kind of feel the way that works. Then I do um, what I call a, a daily review. So I, I spend some time going back through the day yesterday chronologically and I ask myself three questions. What went well uh, during the day? Because I think that's important that we, we look at the good things first. Um, what could have gone better and then what would i need to do today in order to make today a a 10 out of 10 day so that's what i call my daily review from there then i do what i call in the book movement so exercise of of some form so for me my exercise is i do a 5k run every day i do a swim in the sea every day like all these refer back to you know parts of mindset energy accountability and vision one of them uh you know the the daily check-in is the next thing i do so i have an accountability partner and every day I will check in with him uh, to make sure I'm accountable for my day. And I will say to, to him, uh, look, I've done my morning routine uh, so that he knows I'm on track. And then I never want to let him down. So I'm never going to miss it. So now it's become habit and I'm going to do it anyway. But that really was a game changer for me in terms of making sure I can build up that routine. After that then, so that's kind of my morning done. And after that, it's about like how I use the rest of the day. And so it's really important to have the right fuel on board. So what you eat in order to maintain your energy. Um, hydration, so most of us don't drink enough water. And then two more things. At the end of every day, planning out what's going to happen tomorrow. So what's the plan for tomorrow and work and play and everything else. And then finally, getting to bed early in order to get back to be able to get up early on time again for the next day and have enough sleep at the same time. So you hit the bed cheeses around half ten. Uh, actually around 10 yeah i'm usually in bed okay yeah i suppose when people hear what you're talking about there they might say oh he sounds very disciplined maybe very a bit serious but the funny thing is knowing you personally when it's party time it's party time as well like oh yeah for for sure that's that's one of my problems gary yeah so yeah no i mean i know it does look and i and i had to point that out in the book i mean it looks like that this is, you know, that I'm like a very regimented person, but I'm not. And what's really important to me here, and I think it's really important for people to understand is these daily habits that I talk about actually then give me the freedom to do everything else that I want in all sorts of ways. So because I'm eating well and because I'm hydrating well and because I'm exercising well, then, you know, I'm healthy. I can, you know, I can go out and do whatever I want. I can eat steak and chips at the weekend or whatever it's going to be or you know, pizza and stuff like that. I don't worry about that at all at the weekend because I just do this during the week. And like, I'm I'll always up for, you know, going to the pub and having a few beers with my friends and all that kind of thing as well. And I spend a lot of time then, you know, having fun with my son and, um, you know, going on our own little adventures. We're hiring a boat now in a couple of weeks and we're going on our own little adventure, you know, so that, that's just really important for me. And I would not like people to get the idea that, you know, you need to have this very regimented lifestyle and day in order for you to be to to achieve predictable success absolutely not but in this in these habits these habits allow you to create the freedom yeah because i suppose what i learned from reading the book and incorporating the principles of the book was okay firstly when i'm getting up early in the morning i i'm focusing on me so i'm not looking at emails and not responding to what people want me to do i start focusing on what i want to do for myself and by half eight nine o'clock when you have all those things ticked off where you've basically spent maybe two hours 
doing what you want to do, whether it's reading, writing, meditation, goal setting, whatever, you're in a completely different mindset and you're you're up for the day, you're ready for the day because you've gotten that feeling that you've achieved everything that you wanted to personally achieve for yourself first thing in the morning. Absolutely, Gary. So like that's about, you know, you taking time out for yourself, but it's also about you becoming way more efficient than you would be if you weren't doing these things, right? And what happens when you're more efficient? Well, you end up getting more stuff done in less time. And what happens then? Well, you get more time then to for play, you know. So um, so again, it comes back to that, you know, that routine gives you the freedom in the long run. Tell us about the goal of living to 120. Yeah, so this is something that, um, uh, like, it's just, I, I, I love having goals that seem impossible to people sometimes. Because, you know, if, if a goal seems impossible, that's something I want to do. And some people laugh at me because I have this goal of living to 120. But I'm actually taking it pretty seriously. I believe that if you do things right at an early enough age, there isn't really any reason why you can't live to a very good age. And, uh, you know, when you go down, you know, you, you walk around town and you'll see some people at a very young age find it difficult to move around. And then you go down to the diving board in Blackrock and Galway here where you see quite old people jumping in the sea every day and having a great laugh. And I look at that and I go, okay, what's the difference here? And the difference is that, you know, you need something to live for. You need to look after your body from an early age, meaning re- eat the right stuff, that kind of thing. You need some kind of financial, you know, financial support in order to live that extra bit longer. You know, you need to make sure that you have something that's generating the cash to do that. And then you need to have a community around you that supports you and something to live for in order for you to make that. And so I'm working on that. Every day I work on that. And in fact, one of my visualizations that I do every day is to think about my 100th birthday. And in my 100th birthday, I have more crack than anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a lovely story in the book as well about your vision for your 100th birthday. Um, and you can see with the details that you're giving of that event, how that really does help with the vision, the mindset, the clarity, and so on. Yeah. Uh, just one point there that you mentioned was community. And I think it's it's an important word at the moment, especially with COVID-19 and how it has affected communities and people's social life and so on. But like you've done a bit of research in this, surrounding yourself with the community is so important for longevity. Yeah, I've done a very little research on this so far, Gary, because what, I've, what I'm kind of concentrating now is getting the Game Changer formula out to people. And for me, for next year, for 2021, is really when I'm going to concentrate on what I call the Epic Project, which is uh, moving to living to 120 years old, something I do want to share with people as well. But I have identified that community and purpose within that is very important to people for longevity. So people that have something to live for and support around them do live longer than people who don't. And so that is just a simple thing that you can start to get right early. There's no point in trying to do that when you're 95 years old, because that's going to be very hard. So I try and work now on that and get involved in my community and you know clubs and the people around me and my family and various different things like that and ensuring that I have a clear purpose for my life and knowing where I want to go and not something that's gonna that I'm going to achieve by the time I'm 100. It's going to keep going, you know, and those kind of things, you know, are just some of the elements that are really important to being able to live a long and enjoyable life because I don't want to be 120 and you know, not be able to enjoy my life at the same time, you know, which is what most people would say, well, why do you want to live up to 120? That's no fun. But I don't believe that it has to be that way. I think it can be fun all the way through. 
And in fairness, you're fitter now at 50 than you are at 40. Yeah, way fitter than I, than I was. And even way, even fitter, much like I'm fitter than I was at 40. At 40, I wasn't too bad. At 30, I was not fit at all. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I have this goal of being fit, fa- fast and flexible at 50. And I've achieved that and uh, very happy with the way that's going. So Rory, every time I talk to you, I always get some great nugget of wisdom f- from you. And uh, something you, you spoke about recently when we were chatting online was about purpose. And it reminded me of a scenario that I later witnessed that day. I was dealing with a client and they were all excited about this project that I was working on with them. And they're notorious for just turning the light, turning the switch off on a project midway through, just losing the love for it. And indeed, this happened a couple of weeks into this project. And I was annoyed with myself that I even allowed it to go on for as long, knowing what the end result would be. But then I thought a lot about what you had said, where you didn't even let it get to that stage where you knew if work wasn't going to satisfy you, no matter how crazy the money was that they were offering you, that you had greater value for yourself. And despite the huge offer of money on the table, you still said no to it because it didn't meet your values it didn't fulfill your goals your purpose yeah i did uh, gary because um for me one of the things that became very clear to me some time ago uh, was that it was really important to have an overall um what i call a power vision for your life and when i sometimes when i ask people and as i do a lot you know what is your what is your goal what is your vision it's often around money. And I know that that is not an empowering vision for the future. That's really not the kind of thing that's going to get you out of bed on the bad days. It's not the kind of thing that's going to get you out of bed when you're 119 either, right? So for me, I've had this vision for a long time, and I have always referred to it as liberating ventures and family adventures. And that, for me, there's whole, there's a whole story behind each of those four words. Um, so liberating ventures means that I, I love business ventures, but I only want to be involved in the ones that allow me freedom, that allow me to you know not get caught up in something. Um, and family adventures, well, that's what it's all about for me. Those liberating ventures are so that I can go and have adventures with my family. So uh, like earlier on this year, before COVID hit, we spent a month in, in South America. Now, as soon as COVID is lifting, we're getting a boat and we're going to go on a boat trip around Ireland. You know, so these, these things are really important to me. Um, I did for a while lose a little bit of focus on that. And I, I kind of fooled myself a little bit into thinking that um, some of the ventures I was involved in were liberating and liberating in the fact that, okay, if I do this for two years, then I'll have time and money at the end of it. And one of the things I realized is that I would do that. And yes, time and money would come, but then I'd get involved in another one and the time would disappear. And so I realized that. And I since then, very recently, I have turned down like two huge opportunities. Like the day I turned down the first one, it would have been something that, if, you know, a few months ago, I would have I would have gladly accepted because it was a very interesting project. I could see it was one of those two-year projects. I get stuck into, we build it, uh, we, we create value in it, and then I should be able to step away. Now, it doesn't always work that I can step away, but, you know, that was kind of the idea. But then when I looked at it and I went, well, how is that really affecting my liberating ventures and family adventures? And I actually thought, you know what? While that's been my mantra for and my vision for probably 10 years, there's actually something more in it. And I changed it to what I call now make bigger lives. 
And for me, that is now my vision. It hasn't really changed the fundamentals of it because I need to make my life bigger, my son's life bigger, my wife's life bigger. And in every venture I get into, I want to be, I want them to be able to make lives bigger. That's where it's changed because now what I want to focus on is business opportunities that make the world a better place or help people in some way or other. And I just realized that some of the ventures I was getting involved in were really just about the money for me. And that wasn't empowering enough. And now with this focus on make bigger lives, it's allowed me to turn down some lucrative offers that I've had recently and get my focus back onto where I can see, okay, here's how I can help people and really make a difference. And again, it's by by getting the answer to your game changer formula that one is able to start making those decisions and someone is looking for you to do something. Does this help me fulfill exactly. my anger yeah. or not? And, and so I think the thing is, Gary, that you, that whatever that vision that, that you're, it's, you don't create it, you find it, right? It, it is there and you just got to find it. When, when you find that, then that becomes the yardstick by which you measure every project that's going to come your way. And that, for me, was the yardstick by which I managed those two other lucrative projects recently and decided to turn them down. And as you mentioned earlier on, when I, as soon as I turned them down, I felt my self-worth and my value increase substantially because I said, you know what, I'm actually bigger than this. I'm bigger than money. Like, uh, you know, I really, I, I am I'm kind of worth more to the world than I can do. I mean, that, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, it just really did help me to bring up my value to the world. So I was really happy that I made those decisions, even though financially, if you were to look at them on paper, if my accountant was to look at them, he wouldn't like them, right? You're doing a lot of coaching now and, you know, you've been involved, as I said, in hospitality and e-commerce and a word we're hearing every day at the moment, no matter how much we probably hate the word at the moment, is COVID-19. I'm just wondering, based on the people you've spoken to, the businesses that you would have an ear to the ground with, where are we with everything at the moment? I know it's impossible. You don't have a crystal ball, but what sort of future do you think uh, lies ahead or what advice would you give to business owners? Yeah, so look, it's a it's a really good question. And for me, like just if I, if I can start personally first, the change in lifestyle that COVID-19 created for me and my family gave me some of that space back that I used to have when I was on the boat in the Atlantic and allowed me to think differently again. That's what allowed me to kind of focus and move from the liberating ventures and family adventures to the make bigger lives and also kind of make those decisions. So for me, not to say that I'm happy COVID-19 happened, but I'm delighted that I got that opportunity to have that headspace to think through things again, because it's so hard in today's world to have time to think. And um, when it comes to the people that I am coaching, I don't know whether it's the COVID-19 part or just the fact that I'm really getting into this now because this is where I see being able to make lives bigger. But um, we're having a lot of conversations about power vision. We're having a lot of conversations about, hang on a minute now, I've been building this for years. Is this really where I want to go? Or how does this fit into a bigger picture? Or, you know, there's more to life than money. There's more to life than this career, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know whether that's a COVID thing or not, but there's certainly really interesting conversations that I'm having with people at the moment. Because for me, like in my coaching, I don't believe I can help any business owner until we've got that bit figured out. 
first. So, you know, we start with that and then we kind of work our way back down to saying, okay, so what do we need to do today, right, in order to get there? That's That vision is, you know, while I deal with business owners, that vision is often a personal thing first and then the business has to fit into that. Rory, your book is absolutely brilliant. You give loads of advice in it, loads of examples. You know, you have layouts of how people can carry out the exercises and it's all very achievable. You get straight into the formula in the book. It's not one of these books where you're 400 pages in before you actually start giving the wisdom to people. It's very to the point, helpful uh, guy, just full of advice, knowledge, truth, everything. So well done for people who really do want to implement the Game Changer formula in their lives and make a difference. And indeed, when you start reading excerpts from Rory's book at the start, you'll see loads of testimonials from people who did implement the formula and the amazing results that it gave. And like I've noticed results myself already within the first week of when I started reading it a few weeks ago. You will too. It's available on Amazon, on Kindle, and on paperback. And for more information, uh, you can head over to Rory's website, RoryPrendergast.com. Rory, thanks a million for joining us on Gary Talks. Gary, thank you. It was a, it was a real pleasure and uh, delighted to, to be able to speak to you. Thanks again to Rory for joining us on Gary Talks. If you would like to be part of the show and join the conversation, you can find us online. Also, quick plug again, if you don't mind, if you are looking or you know of anyone who is looking for digital content to be produced for them or they need some help with their marketing, please do check out our website, gkmedia.ie. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Take care. Stay safe. Stay sane.